0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station.
1: Hello, I'm Hanif Baharuddin. You're tuned into the show that brings you closer to the people and places of our capital city. Hanif <music> KL paid a visit to Rumah Tangsi recently to check out this historical space that has now been adapted to become one of KL's cooler event spaces. For the uninitiated, Rumah Tang Si was formerly known as Luk Chow Kit Mansion or Luk Hall. Of course, Luk Chow Kit was a highly influential figure in Kuala Lumpur's history, and at one point, this was his home. The building then went through its own journey under a few different owners, including Pertubuhan architect Malaysia, before the BKL came in and purchased the building from Pam in the early 80s. FAM continued to be the custodian of the mansion until 2012 when DBKL took it over and became its custodian. That was also the year the mansion was gazetted as a National Heritage Building. After a long process of renovation and refurbishment, the caretakership of the mansion was then handed over to Citizens Lab in 2018. Joining me for my visit there recently to check out the space with the Creative Director of Romatang Tangsi, Rida Raza, representing Citizens Lab, and Fazlina Rosli, Chief Assistant Director at the Department of Project Implementation and Building Maintenance, DBKL hear from them.
0: Nama saya architect Rida Razak uh, uh, Creative Director uh, of uh, Rumah Tangsi mm. and currently uh, managing Rumah Tangsi in terms of Its direction And its future development
1: Okay, you're also a part of Citizen's Lab Can you tell me a bit about Citizen's Lab? What is it exactly?
0: Okay Uh, Citizen's Lab is a company That we look into sustainability And Mm. engagement And empowering of people Mm. So previously we were working a lot With uh, a lot of majlis Like uh, MBPJ uh, Working on their engagement platforms And after that Kita disunting oleh DBKL do looking into policy uh, making for communities mm-hmm. uh, that's right that's hand, uh, hence after that we were involved in Rumah Tangsi lah oh. as the caretaker of Rumah Tangsi oh, right. and uh together with me is my partner lah Hafizuddin Idris so he's the creative director of uh, Rumah Tangsi also lah. okay
1: you're the director of Rumah Tangsi mm-hmm. but yep. citizen's lab is technically the caretaker of Rumah yes, Tangsi correct. currently right okay uh, yeah. and yeah can i get you to introduce yourself okay.
2: thank you uh, hanif uh, for uh, giving us this opportunity to share my name is architect Fazlina Rosli. Uh, I'm currently uh, one of the chief assistant directors in uh, Department of Project Implementation and Building Maintenance of Kuala Lumpur City Hall, DBKL. And I was uh, the project uh, manager for this building when this building was being conserved uh, by DBKL. So of course I carry Datuk Banda's name with me when I do projects uh, such as this one the first and only so far DBKL's uh, full conservation project.
1: Alright, okay. So the thing about Romatanxi si is that I discovered Romatangsi, I ironically as an as an event space of sorts, but then after doing my research I realized that it's actually a heritage building, right? It and it's it's formerly known as Lok Kit Mansion or yes. Lok, Hall. Lok Hall. So hence the reason why I got a bit confused initially thinking that oh Romatangsi is uh, one of those new event space in, in KL, right? Um, so maybe Fazina or Rida can, can give me uh, a history of or a background history of Rumah Tangsi, you know, or Lok Hall back then, yeah.
2: Okay, uh, Rumah Tangsi ni was actually uh, owned by Lok Chowkit Kit. Eh? First, uh, let me introduce Lok Chao Kit. Lok Chao Kit is actually a second generation Chinese born and bred in Penang. He was born in 1860 and his father was born in Penang and he was born in Penang and he went to Penang Free School. So, guess what? He has the same alumni as Piramli Tan Sri P. Ramli, P. Ramli, yeah? hmm. So, um, in mid-1880s, uh, right after Kuala Lumpur was... Uh, well, not gazetted but was changed from Klang to Kuala Lumpur as the state capital of Selangor uh, that was during when uh, all the developments started to come to Kuala Lumpur so Kit came to Kuala Lumpur in the mid 80s and then he actually mentored under Lok Yu yeah. So from then on, uh, he established himself, get, got himself around uh, as aristocrats, the royalties, the you know who done it. And in 1903, he tended this building to be built uh, back then, or right until now. It was allegedly thought. A.K. Musdin, as the architect of this building, having said that, we haven't found conclusive uh, proof just yet of who the real architect is. But uh, the relatives actually said that they found some letters pertaining this, but we haven't seen the letters per se. So A.K. Musdin was uh, allegedly the designer of this place. So 1903 was being built. 1905, Chowkit and the entire family moved into this building. But 1908, it was leased to Empire Hotel up until there's a lot of uh, history going down uh, until 1973 when it was taken by Pertubuhan Arkitek Malaysia or known as PEM and was used up until 2010 when DBKL decided to take over from PEM, PEM being the caretaker of the building and Datuk Banda uh, back then who was Tansri Sri Fuad Tansifat Ismail, decided to take over the building and then actually for the first instant it was supposed to be refurbishment, not renovated, not conserved because it wasn't gazetted back then. This building was gazetted as a heritage building, bangunan warisan category 2 in 2012 So it was during the construction, or shall I say, refurbishment of this building, that the building was gazetted. So finally, we managed to complete uh, these two buildings, lot ten, the Rumah Tangsi, or the Look Hall, is what we call before this as a lot ten, Jalan Tangsi. Jalan Tangsi meaning the road uh, running right in front of the building, and then the uh, building beside lot ten is lot eleven, which is now uh, housing. The unit pelancungan DBKL, the tourism unit of DBKL, so we finally managed to complete it by 2017, and then uh, DBKL decided to um, award to citizens as the catechol in terms of programming, you know, f- filling in the building with programs, with uh, uh, marketing, with whatever that is required by the building to flourish mm.
1: so the building was renamed from uh, rumah agam lok chow kit uh, or lok chow kit mansion to rumah tangsi in 2017 under at that time it was still under dbkl's right uh, like, as in at that time it wasn't passed yet to citizens no. right? right when it was rumah tangsi
2: was named
0: 2019 Two thousand nineteen. When we right. came in uh. I see So okay. this
2: building Has always been known Prior to Rumah Tangsi Has always been known Lot 10 Jalan Tangsi oh. uh, Because uh, Official name of this building Was Rumah Agam Lok Kit, hmm. But it's kind of like Mouthful hmm. So we call it Lot 10 Jalan Tangsi, Ten Tangsi, mm. Eleven Tangsi, Ten Tangsi, Eleven Tangsi, mm. and then when citizens uh, took over in end of 2019, they rebrand the place mm. uh, in order for it to be uh, more petu
0: catchy, and accept-
2: catchy, uh, acceptable
0: yeah. to public yeah. lah.
1: Okay, alright, yeah. Uh, were you a bit worried that it might be controversial to rename the name, considering that it was then already gazetted, right? As as rumah agam, let's
0: I think it's not as simple as talking about the name Because Uh that time we were also designing the logo Ah, And if you look at our logo It's actually mimicking back the roof of the building And also uh, hands also talking about Rumah Tangsi A lot of people think that Rumah Tangsi means, you know, rope, right? Uh. But it's not actually Tangsi means Ah, 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 So this was of initially Jalan Tangsi was initially named Barrack Road Okay Back before hmm. So hence It's actually Only uh, only uh, suitable For us to call it A house, rumah And a barrack Tangsi yeah? Hence rumah tangsi kan? Hmm, yeah. So I think It's quite suitable And uh, it's quite catchy lah, For people to actually Call it Di eh? yeah. mana rumah tangsi okay, yeah. Okay,
1: yeah. And there can only be I mean There are other houses here But there can only be One rumah tangsi yeah, It's I only can be once. Once. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, And it's quite special Because uh, Maybe there are either brands Other brands Yang uh, Nama Tangsi kan Uh But the location itself Itself Here is unique And Um. its history is unique
1: Uh. Mm, Alright yeah Mm. So when DBKL Took over this building I understand that The um, The features of this building The aesthetic of this building Is slightly different right Uh, So maybe you can walk me Through the Changes that uh, Were made then And the things that uh, DBKL Had to restore To return it to its Former glory
2: so, when we first took over from uh, Pertubahan Architect Malaysia, obviously along the years from nineteen seventy three seventy four until 2010, because it was not gazetted uh, at all, so there were very many changes lah, uh, uh, being put onto the building. Uh, for example, upon the entry of the building, uh, the ceiling was plaster ceiling back then. And then uh, there are a lot of walls and barriers and how they use the spaces are entirely different. There's a lot of ventilation, uh, walls that's been closed up, even the uh, balustrades at the courtyard was being closed up by boards. So um, during the refurbishment period prior to being gazetted in 2012, what we did was just we took out all the uh, what was being closed up which is you know whatever boards that have been closed uh, closing the ho- uh, the holes the balustrades the the floors the whatnot until when the building was gazetted in two thousand twelve we had to revert everything to the conservation method based on the heritage act hence uh, why we had to start scraping the walls. As per being dictated by the guidelines, we started to document our findings. That was when we found there's a lot of uh, structural uh, integrity issues. Uh, We discovered wells. We discovered uh, original granite sleepers. We discovered a lot of things. And when we discovered all these antique or uh, heritage things, that was when we needed to go back to uh, the method of conserving, restoring, and uh, purchasing. Not purchasing, but sourcing out the original materials from other places to replace what, mm-hmm. what was being destroyed. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, And then finally we got this. So what was most imp- uh, interesting was the scraping... Uh, period that that took place around probably three and a half months, you know, when you, you, you first sandpaper the wall and not just the wall, mind you, the frame of the doors, the windows, everything. And then you sandpaper layer by layer and you document everything that you find and then only you start scraping. Everything, all the entire inch of the walls and the doors and the windows, everything. And then you start documenting and you see the progressive from from something very whitish and then you found that the original colour was actually yellow ochre mm. from the beginning. Hence why you find the building, Rumah si, as yellow ochre. Mm. So what happened was that if you see around Rumah si, in fact the lot, uh, 11 building beside Rumah Tangsi and the St. Mary's Cathedral across the road, they're all white colour. Mm-hmm. So originally, the team wanted to have this building in white. But uh, my team decided that we should stick with a yellow ochre so that it could stand out from all the white buildings and then to the chagrin of uh, the building teams mm. because they are more expert in conservation than we were, mm. but uh, Alhamdulillah, we stood by that, and all of us finally agreed to get the buildings back to the original yellow ochre, mm. uh, and then yeah, it uh, I think it stood the test of time, being the landmark of this. Kind of like an enclave kind of thing, mm-hmm. Rumah Tangsian. You have a Royal Slango Club, mm-hmm. and you, you know mm-hmm. you cannot miss the oh yeah the yellow building just beside, just across the road from the Royal Slango Club. Mm, yeah. So that was it. Uh, you know we and then actually this lot ten. Uh, like I said, Rumah Tangsi was known as Lot 10. We also have Lot 9, 8, 7 until 1. So Lot 1 until 6, we demolished everything there because it's all dilapidated and we turned it into uh, 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 what you call it at-grade car parking. Eh? Hmm. Car park on the ground. And then Lot 7, 8, 9, we turn into a semi-basement parking with the parking on top uh, of the uh, lot. And then you have Lot 10 and then you have Lot 11.
1: Hmm. What were other unique things or features of this building that you discovered during that refurbishment renovation process because I think just now you brought me along a guided tour of yes, sorts to indeed. see the building and I think there were a lot of unique features of this building that perhaps were covered up I think to certain extent yes. during Pam's tenorship here right so yes. yeah maybe you can walk the listeners through some of the unique features of this building
2: there are some that is not being covered by uh, Pam, which is uh, the floor. Mm. I, I showed you the encaustic tiles. Yeah. They're all originally, uh, original hand-painted tiles by Huttenbach Brothers. Sounds German, maybe so, I'm <laughs> not too sure. But they're original from 1903, so the tiles are still there. But what was covered was actually the ceiling and then we took out the plaster ceiling and we discovered uh, I-beam, steel beams, eh? I-steel beams and we thought that was new but apparently that was original from Lanarkshire, from Scotland. Eh? So we scraped the paint on the steel beams and we actually found the name and then now they've documented and then they uh, uh, covered it and then uh, you walk down a bit and then they actually covered um, at the courtyard that's uh, circulated by this balustrade ceramic balustrade and they covered it with boards and then when we found out, they're actually handmade ceramic balustrades. Eh? And some of them uh, are destroyed, so we replaced them with a new one. But you can visibly see that they were new, new balustrades. But the old ones, as, as you can see just now, it's all different. Eh? From one balustrade to another, on the ground floor and the first floor, they're all very different. And then there's also the, when I told you, when I mentioned about scraping exercise... So this building, if you come from the front, it's actually symmetry. But back then when we took over, as you walk down inside the building, it's not symmetrical because on the right side there will be staircase but not on the left side. But when we took over and we scraped the uh, walls, we discovered that there are uh, marks of uh, old uh, staircase on the left side of the building. So we rebuilt that based on the existing staircase on the right, uh, with the same timber, with the same design, and then the building starts to make sense of the symmetricalness of the building. That you get into the uh, building, you have a left annex and a right annex, and you have a right-left uh, staircase and right staircase to get onto the first floor. I mean, yeah?
1: mm. Yeah, the architecture of the building is pretty unique, yeah. right? Because it's, there is a combination of uh, I think European architectural style, but also um, Asian. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Maybe you can walk me through the style. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So uh, it's quite true uh, what you said just now. Mm. It's a combination because when Chow Kit started doing this, he's heavily involving in traveling and then experience things. And mm. that time the trend was actually colonial style. Mm. But what is interesting about this building is much. Between the colonial style A little bit of Chinese And very small minor Of Malay traditional Mm. Architecture eh? Mm. So if you walk around The building You can see Some of the ornamentations Basic colonial uh, architecture uh, Even the the architraves, And then also The the How it's uh, Like uh, Miss uh, uh, Architect Fazlinah said just now the symmetrical of the building, mm. and as you go inside, you see the, uh, the green colour column nearby baluster, and then the timber staircase. Yeah. So it's an integration. Uh, I can say that at uh, that time uh, Chucky already have a vision of the the unique uh, the unity uh, in terms of the multiple races lah. Okay? Mm. And then also, what is interesting about the building itself is the I, I want to add a little bit about what uh, architect Ferdinand said just now. Is actually uh, one of the most covered is actually the ceiling. Mm. Uh, so the ceiling is like just last time was all covered lowered ceiling. So when they actually open up all the ceiling. Then it becomes you get the height. Now it's about 4.3 to 4.5 meters, mm. so you get the full height. So when you enter the building, is full grand. Uh, so when it becomes like that, it's like people can actually feel, and that actually and enha- enhance the passive cooling of the building. Mm. Man, ini lagi sejuk lah, the mm. building uh. ah. Yeah.
1: That was Sridhar Raza, Creative Director of Rumah Tangsi together with Fazlina Rosli, Chief Assistant Director from the Department of Project Implementation and Building Maintenance, DBKL. We're going to make way for some messages. More on Rumah Tangsi after this. Stay tuned. I'm Hanif Baharudin and you're listening to I Love KL on BFM 89.9. FM89.9. you are listening to I Love KL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. I'm Hanif Baharuddin. I had the pleasure of visiting Rumah Tangsi, a heritage building that has been adapted to become one of KL's premier event spaces to learn more about the space and hosting me there on my visit were the Creative Director of Rumah Tangsi, Rida Raza, and Fazlina Rosli, Chief Assistant Director from the Department of Project Implementation and Building Maintenance, DBKL. Earlier on the show, we spoke about the process of restoring the building to its original state. Let's pick up where we left off. Was it difficult to actually uh, restore this building, and especially when it comes to sourcing the timber, you know, the materials for, for the balustrade and and yeah, and things of that nature? In terms of, I guess, the refurbishment or the restoration project, you know, to to restore this building.
2: Uh, personally, I feel in, in comparison to other buildings, say. Istana uh, Rimananti. I feel that this building is wasn't that difficult to uh, restore and conserve the um, uh, cornices the downstairs cornices that I show you on the columns and all that they are pretty much still intact but they still need to re, uh, restore and redo the cornices but they can just copy from the surrounding mm. uh, and then uh, we didn't hack any of the tiles we actually keep all the encaustic tiles. The terracotta tiles that you saw, the one on the front, which is the original original one, you can get uh, uh, newer, locally uh, local terracotta tiles, just about the same. And then uh, the other floors, they're actually granite uh, sleepers from China and they're still very much in good intact. Yeah. But what was difficult was the roof the roof tiles. Yeah? They're called Marcel tiles. And when whenever we do conservation building, we would always build first a false roof on top of the original uh, building so that when we take out the roof tiles from the original building, the false roof will protect uh, the building uh, below it. So that's when... We, take out, we took out one by one of the marcel tiles and we discovered some are uh, covered with bitumen, possibly because over the years, they think they thought that the bitumen will act as a waterproof against the uh, rain. Yeah? Mm. And a lot of them uh, cannot be brushed off. So these marcel tiles, some of them, the marcel tiles have a certain uh, section that, marcel tiles from one marcel tile to another, they have a uh, different sections. So, the kind of marcel tiles that they have is very difficult to source. So, what the contractors and the conservators and the uh, consultants did was they decided to group the old marcel tiles together in one section of the roof. And for other sections of the roof, they actually source, tried uh, to source out marcel tiles from other uh, old buildings that's being uh, demolished and they found one in a school in Perak in Ipoh. Mm. So they went to that uh, factory well not really a factory but a kind of like uh, go down kind of thing that they store in uh, old uh, for old buildings you know, Ipo has a lot of that. Mm. So they took that marcia tiles and they grouped it together in one or two of the annex roof, I think. So that was the most difficult one. But the others, they're very straightforward. And we're lucky that uh, our top management, DBKL, decided that we should keep the encaustic tiles, even though some of them are cracked and some of them are broken, because uh, according to our top management, one of it was uh, Dato Najib, eh? Dato Najib, Dato S.R. Sr Najib, he said, "Let that be a character, mm. or else, actually, in the contract, we have put the encaustic tiles to be sourced in Vietnam, mm-hmm. so we didn't have to do that. Mm. So they are all still originals, and uh, yeah, basically, the most uh, difficult one was to source the uh, roof tiles, and apart from that, it's very straightforward." But what was challenging, maybe I should just uh, share the, mm. the main challenge of this building, was actually the cliff behind, okay. the slope behind. Mm. They are falling and the big trees on the slope. So in fact, one of those time in 2013, one of the tree fell on the building. So we had to take uh, measures cutting down all the old trees behind. But how do you cut down old trees on a cliff behind a Building, you have to take a tree cutter who cut trees from top to bottom. So that cost actually triple from uh, from the normal cost. And they're huge. So that was one of the challenges. Another challenge was that the slope was actually gradually falling. So obviously we had to do a piling behind that, but you cannot do a piling behind that because we cannot take in any we couldn't take in any machineries behind the building. So what did we have to do? We had to dug a caisson wall. So all the walls behind that you saw uh, when I took you around, probably did I take you around just now, you saw, they're all hand dug, 70 holes of them. Hand dug uh, three feet wide, hand dug to 15 meters down with someone on top taking the uh, earth that is being dug and then the guy got out and then we put on all the rebars and you know pour in uh, concrete 70 holes that was the challenge that was the most expensive bit of this conservation exercise Mm -hmm. Uh, and then the rest of it are actually you know it's uh, it's a normal cracking thing and then we address the cracking uh, using our uh, engineer consultant engineer so it's it's, it's, it's uh, uh, comparatively quite easy as compared to maybe Bangunan Sota Abdul Samad so it's mm-hmm. not that difficult
1: Alright so after taking over and restoring the building to its former glory what was DBKL's initial plan for the building?
2: So this was uh, the intention of Tan Sri Fuad our then mayor that to take over the building no matter what in order to conserve it think about the use later. Mm-hmm. So, you know, his effort was save the building first before it's demolished, before it deteriorates, and think about the use later. So that was what we did. We think about the use later. We preserve and conserve the building first. So programming-wise, there have been a lot of uh, visits from uh, very many interested parties most of, them are, uh, most of them were restaurateurs. But when they uh, knew that uh, they're not allowed to hack into the building uh, and you know, run you know, what any restaurants would have to do, so they were put off by it. And plus the uh, car parking is actually not uh, that many. So they were put off by it. So eventually, we got to citizens who managed to think outside the box of mm. using, programming the building and making it uh, into award-winning place-making building uh, of today.
1: Mm. Yeah. So Rida, tell me more about your initial plan about the building. Upon finding out that that perhaps there was a chance to actually uh, be a category of this building at that time, have you already thought of like the idea of like okay, you know, turning this building into something that's a bit more productive? I suppose.
0: Yeah. All right. Um, yeah After getting from uh, Actually when we got the building one, We were very very surprised Because uh-huh. who are we We are just nobody uh-huh. we just a social enterprise Who's actually working on uh, Sustainability movement Advocacy uh, Doing a lot of policies Doing social media For the, government, uh, the local government uh, But had that intention That how do, can we do more how we can actually influence more In terms of physicality yeah. mm. uh, But uh, when we went into here uh, build up When we got this building Terkejut uh, mm. All of us never actually managed A heritage building before We've mm. actually uh, Like myself I lived in a heritage building before mm. During my schools mm. In Perà. And then also after that I went to study in Austria mm. So my my all, my all environment was all heritage But it didn't occur to me That one day That I will be uh, Taking care of this building and I remembered when I was very small, I think about nine years old, my father brought me here. Because mm. my father is an architect as well, ah, and my okay. mother. So every time I come here, it's like they want to con- uh, renew their registration at the pen building. Okay. So like I was running around at the lobby and then oh, the office. So it, it was quite a quite a reminiscence. And uh, for me, coming back here is not as just a visitor, but actually obligated. By DBKL to take care of this building you know? mm. And true enough, uh, me, I sit, sit with my team Which is Hafiz Hafiz is actually the brain in terms of the uh, direction of the creative mm. uh, Set down How do we tackle this building? Mm. It's not that easy because one, at one thing is, is a heritage building Number two, there's a lot of requirements And I'm an architect, I also understand that we, uh, we cannot hack this building mm. We cannot do a certain thing And we have to conserve it We have to have a risk management to it So what we did was actually, at the start, uh, call up a lot of the creative uh, groups, namely artists, musicians. And we started off uh, having a little bit of uh, exhibition here. Uh, So from there, we'll see what kind of people interested in. And and it was from the start, is whether to go towards going uh, rental, permanent rentals, or temporary activities. Easy way out is actually uh, permanent activities lah. Mm. Like uh, a lot of the... It's not many heritage gazetted buildings in KL, you know, actually. Yeah. I think there's about... About 50 plus lah in KL and then... Uh, in uh, 90, 90 plus lah in KL. And some are gazetted uh, in uh, federal and some are gazetted at the local level. Mm. And uh, when we went to see other heritage buildings, they are all single-use buildings. It's either office or hotel or markets, right? and for us coming from the sustainable uh, movement we wanted to be different we wanted this place to be to be challenged let's make it into an inclusive space where actually when people come here they can actually be empowered to do what they like and what they do and at the same time the other challenge that we are looking at is how do we create self-sustain model here because we are the caretaker, at the same time we have to actually pay, you know, uh, mm. rental to DBKL. Mm. At the same time, also we have to need to maintain mm. the, the 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 defects in the building, and mm. uh, so so we have to think about how do we actually make money. At the same time, we give to the public to use. So over the and subsequently, tiba-tiba pula pandemic,
2: mm.
0: kan? apa pula kita nak buat? And so we we. We actually adapt to the situation, kan? Eh? Tapi bestlah masa pandemik tu. Uh, one one month before pandemic tu, we know already kita dah buat banyak event. Lah. First three weeks kita dah buat. First three months we already started with a lot of events. Ah, okay. And then masuk je pandemik, we already started with okay, we cannot do this. But suddenly government said we can do shooting. Ah. Uh-huh. Uh, so we started doing a lot of uh, shooting, helping a uh, lot of production houses. In fact, like Fashion Week did here hmm. during pandemic, kan? Hmm. Then when it, when it's lifted out, ah, uh, teruslah banyak macam-macam uh, talk people. But we also curate though, the activities. Mm-hmm. Not only kita macam kalau kata uh, single banyak markers. Eh? Then we also look at other things like uh, dance and then yoga and then also uh, education binyani. And mm-hmm. we, we also receive a lot of visits from universities. Mm-hmm. And also we get visits from museums. Okay. Uh, in fact, this uh, next Tuesday ni, we're gonna have a uh, one uh, gala dinner by one of the apa di, quite a prominent organisation of museums hmm. so we are quite excited about it lah hmm. uh, so lah itulah antara perjalanan how we actually k- curate this and it, it's also helpful because uh, like me and uh, my partner kita professionals yeah. we are very heavily in volunteerism in NGO uh, in PAM in uh, MID in uh, Green Building so itu kita kita combine-combine lah kan
1: hmm. Based on your interactions With um, The people that have Used this building um, What do you think What made them attracted To this building You know
0: Yeah Yeah. So basically It's a Like I said just now If you look at Other heritage buildings Sultan Abdul Samad lah, You go there Walk You can By the time you Arrive at their front You can only see the facade But you can't really feel What's inside the spaces Right And then also other also other buildings that is surrounding. It's like a living museum. Mm. But once you want to go to heritage buildings in, like Majesty Hotel, you start to explore and you can actually stay there. Kan? Mm. And like the library itself and many others kan? but those are all control single use activities. Kan? How can like the public bully So when I talk to the public, They datang Sini majority is actually they want to be able to be enjoy the aesthetics mm. of the building, at the same time make their own activities. Right, So that's why like macam, uh, If you go inside At the back uh, You see like uh, Why we actually Turn one part of it Into a, a Tadika hmm. ah, Why? Because like Throughout our experience Before we open Rumah Tangsi We were in Ipoh And in Ipoh A lot of the houses That turn into uh, old, heri- old houses Heritage houses Becomes a tadika And uh, we felt that That's a good environment For To start a children Punya education And experience And appreciate uh, heritage from uh, from young, uh. mm. and then other parts of it, we always uh, work together with a lot of NGOs in terms of uh, doing short or The way we choreograph uh, the the use of the building now is actually we always marry collaborate between uh, people that wants to do the building uh, and do do programs that is uh, financially uh, uh, paid, but also we marry them with uh, groups that doesn't have any money. Uh, then they can actually do that uh, their activities lah. Mm. I can still remember yeah. one of our earliest events here was a pink tank exhibition mm. uh, led by Aisha. Uh, that was that time the twenty-one artists came. Uh, Bang, I don't have any money, <laughs> so uh, then I asked them what what can you what do you have? We have a lot of paintings, artwork, and uh, so we thought, "Tapa, kita support you guys." Uh, you can actually uh, p- board the exhibition And then we will help you As much as possible So mm. that, that kind of Working collaboration mm. is, uh, We don't really actually Look at Fully on the financial part uh, Monetary what mm. But also we actually Value the intangible part mm. There is something That is lost in the city mm. There is something That we want to fight uh, Towards uh, Empowering of the con- uh, Public la. Mm. Especially youth la.
1: Yeah. Mm. Do you think that the flexibility of, of I guess curating this space is also pretty important because it, it goes beyond just uh, I I know you've mentioned um having a lot of creatives here but at the same time I've heard and I've seen um some intellectual events also be organized here mm. weddings so so it, it is pretty fluid and diverse in terms of the kind of offerings that mm. that are here right so as much as it is curated quote unquote like you what you said um it's also you also allow for fluidity and flexibility in terms of what what can and should be organized here as well right yep, yeah yeah. Are there any restrictions per se when it comes to, I guess, organising events here? Whether be it from, from uh, I guess, the architectural aspect of the building itself or uh, perhaps uh, because it's owned by DBKL, are there any other perhaps um, minor restrictions of things I, I, that can't be organised here? I,
0: I think uh, my my team's priority when we take over heritage building and working closely with local government is mm. actually number one is to take care of the name of the local government, the identity of local government. Mm. That's our priority. So it's not rocket science for us to actually... When people come here, <coughs> excuse me. When people come here with an event, we always see. Okay, if we were to put ourselves into the government shoes, would that affect the name of the government? So it's quite straightforward like, kind of for us to decide. Yeah. so when 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 uh, in terms of so that is uh, that is not a problem for us, but uh, there are a lot of uh, programs that they, when they come, they are testing the limits of the building. Example like one uh, big. Uh, movie company came here wanted to rent the building for six months so they asked us can we repaint the whole building in white Uh, because they had like they want a colonial and you know seen a very big production so we told them hmm let's see Um, we didn't say no but we went to see the conservator and asked ask them their opinions so we have a good dialogue one or two hours dialogue about what their opinion is and they say that uh it's possible but if you go back to the heritage uh law uh, you are diverting from its in, in initial intention after gazetted so it's not appropriate for you actually to paint and repaint and paint repaint so the hence we don't, don't go we don't do it and uh one of the other one is actually uh theater program they wanted to do on the first floor I said i didn't say no we didn't say no but uh, we actually got an engineer to look into the structural stability of the building and from there, they do the calculation and then the set, the set of the theatre is uh, too, uh, too heavy for the building load to take. So, you know, at least we try. Um, mm. But, uh, yeah, a lot of this kind of uh, experimental, we, we listen and we spend time uh, with the clients. Mm. And then uh, at the end of the day, we compromise like, in terms of the activities. Uh,
1: Alright, all right. so yeah. it's not as easy as that I mean, it's,
0: not, it's not a word, we don't leave it mm. uh, We hold hands with the clients uh, mm. That's why when they come here, we actually Especially the kind of weddings, like, wedding interesting If people come here, the first thing I will ask them uh, You know, usually people who comes here is the young couples mm. They want this kind of uh, interesting experience yeah. So the first thing we ask them is uh, uh, Have you asked your parents or not? I can say the day that it's wedding, you know, you know, you will bring a lot of parents, friends, and yeah. so that's the first, sec- the second stage, which is bring the parents, get the vibe, feel they like it, and then only we proceed the next step. That's why, like I said just now, we don't accept a lot of weddings because we know that. Uh, we have to go through that process uh, So when you like it Then we can proceed Yeah
1: mm, Yeah. It sounds yeah. like you have to go through A lot of uh, A lot of I guess Deliberation process I yeah, suppose yeah. Uh, But the fact that There are a lot of different parties That are interested in actually Using this space Is pretty interesting in itself mm-hmm. um, Do you feel like If the feedback is not In favour of, of your clients Your potential clients uh, Do you think that You will then deter Potential future clients Or that's not really a problem You know People will Continuously come And try to experiment With this space
0: I think it's because uh, it's not a problem for us because like if they don't want uh, if they don't want this place they can go to other places which is much more mm-hmm. flexible uh and our team is quite focused that we only we we like to work with a good environment ...and with good people. Mm. So when they come here, uh, they have that good vibe. We also can feel their vibe because we have coming from the community side. Mm. So we can see a good collaboration. Then straight away, we can move up, move on in terms of making the event successful. Mm. Banyak juga yang activity we've done. We've partnered with uh, Mercy, Mer- Red Crescent, buy for impact uh, Micro Creative Ventures... And then Cendana, And then we always compromise Like recently we got our first international event mm-hmm. Which is Hong Kong uh, Hong Kong Institute of architects mm-hmm. They did the international uh, exhibition uh, Moving exhibition uh, China, Hong Kong and Malaysia So that, that was quite good Because like uh, they came here And they shipped all the exhibition from Hong Kong to here And then after that subsequently to other places And the way that they bring new contents Is quite high level And uh, Literacy, lah. I mean, in terms of high-level curation lah. Mm. Uh, this is something that I we think that... Uh, uh, ...it's good for the people around KL to actually experience... ...in terms of uh, uh, the curation of exhibitions. But selalunya, it's too literal. and This is like a little mm. bit more abstract and much more uh, thought about. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: making is pretty mainstream these days With a lot of uh, different bodies And mm. different initiatives Activating or reactivating mm. spaces That that uh, in KL, right? Especially old spaces uh, um, Worn down spaces into something new um, Apart from this being a heritage building How do you differentiate yourself From your competitors or others?
0: Yeah, it's, it's very easy Because uh, this building is a heritage gazette mm. And then we are actually working with people, and empowering people to do placemaking. Hence the name Heritage Placemaking. Mm. I don't, I don't see any. We, we have any competitor in Malaysia, mm. uh, in KL especially, uh, because all the other heritage buildings are uh, the, the the adaptive reuse for heritage building are not gazetted. Mm. So it's not as difficult as what we are experiencing. Mm. Uh, that's also it's a unique, uh, unique uh, selling uh, U.S.P. for us. Mm. And in fact that. Uh, can you, you? I don't think you can name any uh, Heritage building that is open to public mm. You can walk in anytime uh, And the second part is We get full support from DBKL uh, yeah. So that makes it More interesting because like Anyone can actually book this place at, at whatever time they want Until whatever time they want So we can accommodate with, Of course with certain guide, guides lah. Uh-huh. Uh, But I don't think any other buildings Will, able, will be able to do that mm. And we get the support from the police as well Ah, uh, sometimes the Bukit Aman also just uh, move around in the building, uh, in front of the house. Give me call, and he "Hey, okay, everything in order." Ah, uh, so I think the whole structure of this Rumah Tangsi itself has brought a lot of, of stakeholders from the government to the community to us managing it, and it's in unison. I, it's very hard to get this. Yeah, uh, it's very hard to get this.
1: Yeah. So, uh, Fazina, uh, having seen the success so far of how you know um, Rumah Tangsi has been managed, um, is this something that DBKL will be looking forward to to doing a lot more uh, in the future uh, for a lot of buildings that you own? You know, will this be a model that can be uh, replicated moving forward in terms of heritage buildings in in the city?
2: Um, Anif. To be honest, actually, Rumah Tangsi is like I said is the first, and so far the only uh, DBKL first full conservation building. Mm. So this is actually our first experiment, or rather, uh, or experience uh, into heritage placemaking. And to be honest, if Datuk Bandar has other heritage buildings that we would need to conserve, I think this is the best model ever to replicate into our other building. Um, The next one, uh, inshallah, that we'll be conserving will be just nearby here, so it's in the pipeline, I shall just not name for the time being. But unlike Rumah Tangsi, that has no purpose when we first took over. Uh, we were instructed to just you know, conserve and refurbish or whatever and think about the use of the building later on. But this next one, there would be a use after that. So the placemaking uh, would be on a different view, on a different level because that one, they already have a certain usage of that building. But this has been, I think... Uh, the eye-opener for other um, authorities also because we've had visits from other local authorities from Malacca, from Johor even, from Perak. How we successfully actually a heritage building entered into a kind of like a well-known mm, yeah. uh, entity in KL. We even got a call space. from uh, Kuching. Yeah, yeah. Kuching, Kuching.
0: yeah. Uh, they want to come yeah.
2: here because the difference is that uh, the heritage buildings run by the local authorities, being local authorities with their own uh, limitation, is it actually it is difficult. I mean, listening yeah. to how Rita has been running this as a is a, a space or a hub or a place making place is actually difficult. So. For the local authorities to run the heritage buildings themselves for programming, it is challenging. So that's how why they came here, to learn from us how we turn this and award citizen as uh, the caretaker and the programmer of the building. So that's the format that DBKL has uh, experimented on rather successfully I would think because it's orang kata in Melayunya diimarahkan it's being used and you know it's not empty kan? Mm. so I think um, and the team also in DBKL we really worked really hard to prove our point that heritage building in Kuala Lumpur eh, with, where is a city of politics city of economics rather than city of heritage eh, So a heritage building in Kuala Lumpur, owned by a local authority, can be successfully revived and uh, successfully used as a not only place making or a a public space or public hub, but halal at that too. We don't serve alcohol. It's fully halal space hub here. And uh, I also have to mention that we won four awards for this building, two by the Malaysian Institute of Planners, one uh, heritage category under FIABSI, and one in still embargo, uh, will be announced in December. So, you know, that's all we can say, four awards so far. And uh, we, it's a really good collaboration between DBKL and Citizens. All right.
1: Um, Any last words? Um, maybe yeah. Rida?
0: I think uh, for my last word is actually heritage is uh, something that uh, we have to take care uh, it's for our future generations and to do this we cannot be living in the past we have to transform it with for the future so we have to be innovative and I would like to see more of the other local authorities work together with uh, local uh, social enterprise for people with direction of the sustainability to create this kind of uh, to replicate Rumah Tangsi as a marker uh, as a catalyst for their place, so this will be good for uh, the future of our heritage preservation and also knowledge uh, capture for our future generation.
1: We are entering tuning I Love KL and I've been speaking to Fazlina Rosli, Chief Assistant Director at the Department of Project Implementation and Building Maintenance, DBKL and Rida Raza, the Creative Director of Rumah Tangsi. He's also a part of Citizens Lab, the current caretaker of Rumah Tangsi. That's all we have for this episode of I Love KL. If you miss any part of the show, you can check out the podcast at bfm.my slash ilovekl. Our app, which you can find via Google Play and the App Store. You can also look for the show on Spotify. Don't forget to also follow the station on app at BFM Radio. My name is Anif Baharuddin. You have been tuning in to I Love KL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. Join us again next week only on BFM 89.9, The Business Station.
0: You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app